You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The book Mastering Patient Flow, Using Lean Thinking to Improve Your Practice Operations, is written by Elizabeth Woodcock. It has been stated that as a reference, the book cuts into and across every practice administrator's core competencies and provides an excellent source on how being patient-focused improves the practice's vision and performance. Elizabeth's writing style has been called clear, concise, witty, and humorous. Join me as I welcome Elizabeth Woodcock to the business of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Elizabeth, how did you come up with lean thinking? Can you tell me what that is, and what does Toyota have to do with a doctor's office? Well, it's a great question, Larry. Lean thinking really appealed to me as I was writing the third edition of this book, Mastering Patient Flow, because of its simplicity. It simply makes sense. There are hundreds of examples we could talk about in a physician's office that make sense no longer. And so lean really pulls us back, thinking about the customer, the patient first, and saying, why are we doing things like this today? And so it's the simplicity that was very appealing. And of course, Toyota revolutionized the automobile industry a number of years ago. And what I hope is that physicians who embrace lean thinking could do the same for their own practices. Well, to continue with lean thinking, when I hear that term, I think about cutting staff out. I don't think that's necessarily your idea. You're talking more about kind of improving efficiencies and not making extra steps. Absolutely. And Larry, let me give you a great example. One of the things that physicians quite often do is they create a number. And in fact, I've worked with large practices that create thousands of different appointment types. And so a staff member is taught, schedule this appointment type like this. It's a short or a short, short or a short, 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 and a long, 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 long. And oh my gosh, there are dozens in between. And Lean asks us to think about, now, does that make any sense whatsoever? These dozens, maybe even hundreds, maybe even thousands of different appointment types. When what does the patient want? And so to your point, in terms of staff, in fact, it takes staff a lot longer to really make a decision. Should it be a short, short appointment slot? Should it be a long, long appointment slot or something in between? So in fact, that's where Lean gives us the staff savings, not by cutting staff, but by simplifying the processes, again, focused around the patient. I can tell you in my office we have about 20 different templates. We don't call them short, short, long, 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 short, short, long, but we call them 15-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute, new patient, old patient, et cetera, et cetera. And part of the problem is having the front office staff knowledgeable and being enough and being able to kind of think on their feet to ask the patient what they're coming in for and kind of figure it out. So we kind of give them these templates because they're not so good at making these decisions. Is, do you have a way of retraining the front to have different brains? Well, I think it's a great point. One of the things I will say up front is I think that front desk position is the most underinvested in staff position. It's your customer service plus the intelligence that has to go into making decisions like the one you're talking about. And so in a way, what we've done, Larry, is we've taken the processes and we've tried to make them very sophisticated to make up for the fact that we've underinvested in some of our staff positions. And I think that's where the challenge is. And what Lean says, it's not the people, it's the process. Simplify the process and get back to the basics. Elizabeth, I have a challenge for you this morning. 
I have a partner who is a female who consistently runs 30 to 60 minutes late. She refuses any catch-ups in her schedule. We've tried to change her booking appropriately. We've tried to make her see fewer patients. We've tried every trick in the book to kind of control her so she runs smoother. So I leave it up to you to solve this problem. I want some free advice so I don't have to bring you in for uh, 5000 a day. Sure thing. Well, let me start actually with the very start of the day. What time are her first appointments scheduled for, Larry? She starts at 8.30 and shows up at 9. There's the problem. Furthermore, when you think about it, we give appointments out to patients for 8.30, for example. And you know what? It's an appointment with the front desk. And I mean that truly, an appointment with the front desk. And think about in your own practice and practices across the country, what we have done in the front desk in the last five years. We've increased the amount of registration paperwork the insurance verification, we could go on and on and on, and yet we still are sticking with the same morning appointment times. And what we have to recognize is her time is the most precious asset of the practice. And we actually have to schedule around the physician's time. So if, indeed, she was going to start, and I mean start at 8.30, which is what I would hope she would be doing, we'd actually be scheduling patients at 8.15. And none of this come in 15 minutes early, because if we're not even seeing patients on time, is that a fair thing to say to our patients? No. So, you know, what I have them do for me is I actually have them, if I have an 8 o'clock appointment, that patient is told their appointment's at 7.45. But she doesn't like that. She just, for whatever reason, refuses all change whatsoever. And, you know, the next question I'm going to ask you is about if technology can solve the problem. And and we have instituted an EMR, and it still has not solved the problem. So what do you do with a difficult doctor? Well, I think you bring up a great point. And I actually am a firm believer that technology does not solve all of our work process problems. Doesn't change bad habits. Absolutely. And you know what? In a way, if we can't have that internal change management process, I will tell you there's some factors out in the landscape that are changing things, and those include medical tourism, the fact that now patients are getting shipped to India and Brazil and everywhere else because there's all these access problems, long availability, long, terrible service, really, really challenging times in the United States. And so patients are looking abroad for those options. And, of course, these quick access clinics and retail settings are all cutting in. Exactly. And so, you know, certainly while I'm not going to embrace those concepts in any means, because I truly think that they are aimed at taking your bread and butter, bread and butter of primary care and specialty care, out of the doctor's office in the United States, they're aimed at taking that, but at the very least is to use those as a driver of change. Right. Competition is always good to create new ideas. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm talking today with world-renowned Elizabeth Woodcock, author of the book Mastering Patient Flow. Elizabeth, you have a whole chapter on telephones. I think that's the bane of everybody's practice. Do you have any simple ideas that we can do to help manage our phones today? Well, certainly. There's a lot of very simple ones and then some pretty complex. And I think this is where technology can really help us because ultimately, if we can have our communication systems via a web portal and really communicate with our patients online, I think that's the ultimate resolution for telephones. But 
what happens with telephones, and again, I'm going to say it's simple, but to fix it, it's relatively complex. But if you look actually at the phones that are ringing in a doctor's office, a significant portion of them are actually patients who are calling again, and they're calling over and over again. And Larry, I happened to be on a blog last night, a medical blog that I was reading about for children's health, and I saw one of the postings. I've called my doctors five times because you have to be a pest in order to get anything answered from the office. And I realize that speaks to what the average American is thinking now, because this is the generation now, and the parents of those children as well, perhaps even more challenging. So what do we do with the phones? Do we turn them off? Do we get an automated teller? Do we put everyone through email? What's the solution? Sure, great question. Certainly, in this case, I actually don't think the actual automated attendant, call distributor, is going to solve those problems. In fact, they're going to assist in actually distributing routing calls, but it's the actual work process. So the first thing that I would suggest doing is to actually have a discovery process where you determine what types of calls are coming in. Let's just take prescriptions as an example. Prescription calls classic story have a patient who is given a prescription with a 30-day refill so he has 30 days he goes to checkout because you've given him instructions to come back in a month the checkout secretary says sir when do you want to come back the doctor says to come back in a month da, 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 da. the appointment is scheduled in 32 days what happens in 30 days in fact probably 29 of course a phone call and the key here to lean thinking, the key to patient flow is there is no magic bullet. It's not an electronic medical record. It's not an automated call distributor. It's not the greatest nurse in the world. It's the connection internally that, indeed, the 30-day window is going to be gone. So whether it's 30 days and a week or whether it's scheduled this patient back in 28 days, that communication is driving more importantly, the lack of communication is driving that work into our practice. And it's over and over and over again. It's, oh, my gosh, I was just at my own doctor's recently. Oh, Elizabeth, we haven't, haven't blocked out the templates for the next month. So just give us a call. 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 Listen to when you say that because that is a solution for telephones. Let's talk a little bit about the doctor's schedule. I, I assume you're a big fan of open scheduling. I don't know that to be true, but let's say a physician's schedule is booked solid for the next three months. What's the solution for seeing somebody that day that they want to see? That's a great question. And this all goes back to basic economics, supply and demand. When supply and demand are in balance, Larry, the doctor can see the patient. Now, when supply really, really is so low that the demand begins to overwhelm it, for example, if I had one internist trying to serve the entire city of Chicago, well, nobody's going to call and get an appointment that day. So supply and demand are absolutely critical, and I find there are two really good measures to take a look at that. One is, when is my next available appointment? So let's say my next available appointment is in three months. My second critical measure is perhaps even more important because it says, now, Larry, how many patients did you see yesterday? I call it a fill rate. What is my capacity? Let's say, Larry, your capacity is to see 28 patients a day. So your fill rate then determines how many patients did you see yesterday. If your capacity is running at 
and your time to next available appointment is beyond reasonable for your specialty, then you have a situation where demand is overwhelming supply. But what many physicians discover is the longer they book appointments out, the higher their no-show rates. And so what happens is you're never filled to capacity. So you look at yesterday and say, gosh, I was only 83% full. And indeed, that's where some really good data can aim to put you back on the right track to say, you know what, I actually could accept those incoming calls. Instead of, very importantly, getting back to our previous point, which is the telephones, answering all those clinical questions on the phones, which is what we do today, and go ahead and say, come on in, Ms. Woodcock. We'd love to see you. Excellent. Well, Elizabeth Woodcock, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.